Well, what a great few days it has been. Um, other than college football, we have a lot to be happy about and thankful for. Take your Bibles and go to Hebrews 11. We're getting ready to show you a highlight video from this weekend. Thank you to those who worked hard getting that together. But I have a bunch of thank yous. The first one I want to start with is actually Bart McFadden. He is the president and CEO of the Boys and Girls Clubs of the Tennessee Valley. And so Kelly, his wife, serves on our team. Would you thank Brother Bart and Miss Kelly for their generosity? And um, opening, up, opening up just a fabulous facility to us, it just could not have gone any smoother. Uh, Pastors Mike Floyd and Kevin Mislevick, uh, Pastor Mike sort of led the charge, and since it was Kevin Mislevick's first year on the team, kind of brought him in, and they organized this thing uh, by far the smoothest and cleanest it's ever been. Give these guys your appreciation for working hard in that, and... Um, so many people from the audiovisual, our facilities crew worked their guts out. Fleet management under Diane Bird with all those buses. Hundreds and hundreds of volunteers, about a thousand here Wednesday night, over 600 yesterday. God showed up. Listen, I would always love to see more and more and more people uh, to come to these things, but here's what I know we had a great turnout, a lot of families. I think it ended up being about 550 to 600 families. Then we did have some boxes we were able to bless a few other partner ministries with, and some of the excess food has gone beyond what we even realized to people that we may never meet this side of heaven. So it was an incredible day, but it was the physical part and then the spiritual part when the Spirit of God was so obvious in that place, and the movement, the counseling, the baptisms we celebrated. Um, Man, God has been at work. This house was full Thursday. We saw those 10 come to get uh, baptized. We watched 18 more, and one more is coming to Grace to be baptized. Watched 18 more yesterday. In three days, we saw 28 people trust Christ and follow him in baptism. So that is something to celebrate. That is an amazing thing. Now... I want you to be blessed by this highlight video, and it does a great job, but unless you're really there, it's hard to see just all of the moving parts and all of the things God did. I know when we pulled up at 7.30, 7.45, whatever that was, and the line was stretched around the building, I was already thanking God, but then to talk to the people in the line, to see so many of them say thank you, and I'd say, we have a great Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving, we're glad you're here, and they said, well, you guys have made this a great Thanksgiving for us. To think about families that wouldn't have been able to sit around the table and enjoy a great meal together. They can now prepare that in their homes and get their family and friends together, um, and then to see God move in the hearts of people. Notice some of the expressions. I don't know that I've ever been in a baptism service where I saw as many people so overjoyed. And so just the first young lady that went in the water was a young lady named Hillary, 15. I talked to her, and she was just shaking. I said, are you okay? She said, yes, but I'm just so excited. I'm so excited. And it was a beautiful thing over and over. We, we don't have them all, but we have a good highlight reel. And um, yesterday, right down the road, 102,000 people went crazy on the opening play of a ball game. A couple hours later, it didn't matter one lick. What you're about to see will matter in a million years. Watch. I could not be, I could not be more proud of a, a church, uh, of a people, children, Students, adults, seniors, everybody working together, giving. You gave of your time. You gave your gifts. You gave uh, the money and the food. And then we gave them Christ. And I just don't think we'll understand this side of heaven how many. We can number baptisms and we can number uh, tickets and we can number turkeys. But we can't really number impact because imagine a mother that gets saved and has that weight lifted, who now begins to share with a child, who will one day share with their children. And I, I think that it'll only be on the other side where we're in heaven and when we begin to meet people and they say, oh, wait a minute, you were there at that Grace Baptist Church there in, in Knox, Knoxville in Knox County, Tennessee? You know what? They touched me 
Thanksgiving of 2023. Next year, um, we've already got an agreement secured there, and we've got some great ideas on getting even more people there. Um, Transportation is always a little bit of a challenge, but you guys work together fabulously well. If you've never been a part of this, let me really encourage you in 24, Lord willing, if you're here and I'm here and we're here and we're doing this, uh, try to be a part. Can I ask you, how many of you have been a part of one of these and how many of you have been blessed by being a part of one of these? So that's a lot of witnesses that say, you know what, I've been a part of that, and, and thank you for giving, thank you for doing this. Um, it always is one of the best pictures, in my opinion, of the church. Why does the church exist? And if we only tell people to go be warm and filled, but don't give them what they need for the body, we've not really lived out our faith. And I think when we do both well, when we love people and meet them at their point of physical and spiritual need, I think that's what being the church is really about. I think that's why we exist, to love our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. And you guys are doing that really, really well. So thank you for letting us uh, have an incredibly, incredibly successful ministry event. Um, We are in this series. Let me tell you what we're going to do. We're in Hebrews, an anchor for the soul. We're going to finish chapter 11 uh, today and next week. I've got a four-part mini-series on this, but then we're going to go into holiday mode. We're going to have some messages leading up to Christmas, and then I'm going to come back early in the year. Rather than flipping back immediately to Genesis, I want to finish the whole book There's some great stuff in 12 and 13 we need to get to. We don't want to miss it. Some of y'all, there's a lot of talk about angels. Y'all know there's some weird stuff about cute little chubby kids with wings. No, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about entertaining angels unaware and some some really cool things at the end of the book. So we're going to do that at the beginning of the year. Then we'll switch back and change gears. But for now, let's look at Hebrews 11.1 again. And let's look at it on the screen. Let's say it together. And then let me unpack a couple of thoughts related to this weekend. Let's say it. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Here's the deal. I can't see everything that happened. And I know that sometimes you run into somebody who maybe isn't as grateful. Maybe you want to help them, but they don't really act like they want to be helped. I know we had a few people that drove through the parking lot because they had to be shuttled and drive from farther away because we were saving the close spots for handicapped. They were like, ugh. Well, never mind. And as a Christian, let me encourage you, don't be jaded by such things. When you see people that don't always express gratitude, you see people that look like they're sucking on lemons. Some of y'all look like you're sucking on lemons too when you come in here. That's the reality. But, but secondly, we don't know what they're going through. A lady asked me to pray for her as they were coming in the line. She had just lost her brother to suicide. Her family was being eaten up with drugs and alcohol, and there was just challenge after challenge after challenge. Now, she happened to be smiling and praising God and trusting the Lord, but you don't know what those folks are going through. You don't know what the weight is of their life because you're not in their shoes. And so it is our responsibility to plant and water the seeds, to love them well. Now it is our responsibility for every person counseled because there were many more than the, just the baptisms. It is our responsibility to follow up and love them well, plug them into a family of faith, particularly if they're not in our immediate area. Many are on that area side of town to plug them in and help them to grow. It is our responsibility, our privilege, but we may not see, look at this, the evidence of things not seen. We may not see all of the results of the things that we do. That's okay. One day, all will be known. But for today, we say, as Jeff so rightly said, and we sang, not to us, but to your name give the glory. Lord, this is for you and about you and your praise anyway. So we don't need to understand all of it. We need to do what we're called to do with faith. We need to walk and trust that, God, you have the right people there. You have all of our needs met. We're going to love people well in Jesus' name. And it's so easy. And in 25 years of ministry, I have to be very careful of this. It's so easy to get jaded sometimes and say, well, yeah, but they didn't like this or they don't want that. Well, I'm telling y'all, the vast, vast majority were genuinely thankful and genuinely overwhelmed at your generosity and at what grace was able to do and God threw grace for them and their families. So thank you for that. I want to say this again. 
And I want us to remember that not everything we see is going to ha- We can't see everything today. But God's doing bigger things. So let's say it. You ready? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Yeah, good. So what have we been learning? We said, look, by faith we can obtain a good testimony. If you want a testimony, because I think there are a couple of things I want to leave in this life. As I'm approaching mid-century here in the next couple of years, because I just hit 48 now, so if I'm approaching this, I'm now thinking, of course, I think they say like 50 is the new what, 30, 35? I don't know. But if I'm approaching this time of life, I want to leave a good testimony. I want to leave a good legacy. I want to leave that which will outlive me. And I want it in my children and grandchildren and church family and community. And I think by faith, we, the Bible's very clear in Hebrews 11, we obtain a good testimony. We been, begin to understand creation in time. That's why I started my message yesterday with God loves you. He created you in his image, but you've got a problem. Sin. And we talked about that, and we unpacked that for the people. By faith, we please God. We receive righteousness and salvation. Don't earn it. Receive it. We obey God completely, although we're still flawed, as we'll see in our character study today. We experience miracles. We learn to wait for the fulfillment of God's promises. And by faith, we bless others. See, we do all that work, and we don't know if anybody's going to show up. We don't know if anybody will come out. But by faith, we trust, and we trust that God has those there that need to be there and hear the truth. And indeed, he shows up every time. But we're going to look at a guy today who really lived a life of faith, who saw some God-sized miracles, had some literal mountaintop experiences with God that no other living human being has ever had had a relationship with God that was so unique in his time, yet he still stumbled. He still fell. His own pride kept him. When he stopped giving God the credit and the glory, his own pride kept him from the ultimate experience of the promised land. He missed the earthly promised land, but thankfully by faith, he made the heavenly promised land. I love this guy. It's an incredible study. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. Hebrews eleven twenty three. Let's look at Moses for a moment. The Bible says, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. And don't fool yourself. Sin is pleasurable, but it is for a season. It is passing. Esteeming the reproach of Christ. Look at that. Moses and Christ, yes. Moses is looking ahead to a deliverer. Moses becomes a prototype of Christ a front runner as a deliverer. And so he says, looking at choosing to suffer affliction with the people than enjoying the passing pleasure, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. This man had everything he could have ever wanted in the house of Pharaoh, but he gave it up for the Lord, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, or we would say the Pharaoh, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He is looking ahead to Jesus. Just like all of those Old Testament saints, he is looking ahead to God's promised one. By faith, verse 28, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. Lord, this is an incredible little review, a snapshot, a highlight reel of the life of Moses, of the things that were accomplished. And this just barely scratches the surface, Lord. We know that. But it reminds us that when we walk by faith, incredible things happen all around us. Yesterday was one of the most beautiful pictures I have ever seen in my life of the church being the church. It was an incredible display of all ages and stages gathered together. It was a kaleidoscope of humanity. And I pray that this church would love her community well and that we would be the best we can be for Knox County and beyond, for your glory, for the good of others. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Now, guys, let me give you some foundational truths that I'm seeing emerge from this text by faith. This one is kind of a no-brainer. You almost think, well, that's a waste of time to even discuss it, but I don't want you to miss it in the text. By faith, we protect our children at all costs. This is the general truth I want, to, I want you to see from the narrative. That's what I'm doing up here. Each week, I'm trying to give you the eternal truths that emerge from the things that we're seeing here in the Word. By faith, we protect our children at all costs. Look at 23. By faith, Moses. Now, it's not his faith. It's his parents' faith, Amram and Jochebed. We know their names from Exodus 6.20. His parents have faith. He was born, they hid him three months because they saw he was a beautiful child. They were not afraid of the king's command. Beautiful means favored. It means the hand of God was on him. How did they know that? I don't know. My nanny, my mom's mom said that about me as a little boy. I don't know how she knew that. I I would say that maybe I sang for the Lord or I was doing something, but my nanny who walked with God said, I believe God's hand is on him. These parents looked at Moses and said, we believe God's hand is on him. He's a favored child and he had believing parents. So they hid him. Why? Because Pharaoh said, these Jews are getting too numerous. These Hebrew peoples are are outnumbering us. They're going to take over. Remember, he had no connection to Joseph. He had no connection to the family of God hundreds of years earlier. And so he said, I tell you what we're going to do. Hebrew midwives, if they have a little boy, go ahead and kill him. You can let the ladies live. I need more servants. I need more slaves. But these men could rise up against me. Go ahead and kill those little Hebrew boys. And so Amram and Jochebed said, not this special child. And y'all remember what they did, right? They made a little basket pitch. So many of those children were drowned. Pharaoh actually specifically said, throw them in the Nile. But Moses, his name means drawn from water. Moses would be placed in that basket down at the river. Pharaoh's own daughter would find him. And then Pharaoh's daughter would call Moses's mother. What an ironic twist, but God's in the details. And she would nurse her own child and he would be protected and he would be raised in the house of Pharaoh. It's so interesting that the parents believed and the child survived. Warren Wiersbe said this, though godly parents cannot pass on their faith as they do family traits, they can certainly create an atmosphere of faith at home and be examples to their children. And it was as though the faith of the parents was passed on. I wrote this, a home should be the first school of faith for a child. A home. GCA is a covenant Christian school. Some of you may or may not know that. It's not an evangelistic model. It's a covenant model. Both are valid, but let me tell you why I prefer the covenant model. An evangelistic school says a kid can basically come, any child, anywhere, any family, etc. In a covenant model, what we say is that one or the other parent, preferably both, but one or the other parent or guardian should be a child of God. They should be a believer. Because otherwise, we may be pushing against mom and dad. As a Christian school, as a ministry of Grace Baptist Church, we want to partner with mom and dad. We realize what Deuteronomy 6 says. It is the opportunity and privilege of the mom and dad to pour into the child first. Then we come along with them in partnership. That's what we do. And so we're still evangelistic. Did you see the video? I mean, we're still seeing kids saved left and right, young and old. It is a beautiful thing God is doing. But we understand we're not taking the place of mom and dad. We as a church aren't trying to take the place of mom and dad. We do want to partner with you. And the Bible says that Moses would grow up to be a man that God would use in mighty ways and at times display incredible courage. Now, at times he was a wimp. At times he was a stuttering wimp who didn't want to do anything by way of leading the people of God. But at other times, God raised him up for some incredible, incredible, miraculous experiences like what we've read about. Let me ask a question. It's a little rhetorical. I know you know the answer. Moms, dads, grandparents, would you do anything and everything to protect your children? Yes. Yes. uh, Unwaveringly, unequivocally, without hesitation, every parent in this room would say, of course, I would do anything. What's the most dangerous place to be if you see a black bear between a... Mama, 
and her cubs, right? It is a dangerous place to be. Brother, she will rip your head off. In fact, when we would hunt in Florida, Florida's eaten up with black bears. It's got a lot of black bear, but the goofy people at the, um, uh, the, the reserve, or what? You, let's see, what do you call it? Their resources, I guess, the Florida Resource Management, so the wildlife management. They've only had like one bear season in many, many, many years, and it was one day, and then they shut it back down. But black bear are overrunning many parts of that state. It's very hard to hunt there, in fact, because of the black bear. So when we were deer hunting, and we would have corn feeders and stuff hung way up in trees, the bear would love to come in. Bobby, is, uh, Bobby the third is 11 years old, and we are behind uh, an actual church property, a secondary campus we took over. And so I have my feeder up about 23, 24 yards from the stand. It's a ladder stand, a buddy stand, so both of us would sit on it. And it was that close because I wanted to bow hunt that. But this particular day, it was time to gun hunt, and I was going to help him try to harvest a deer. He's, he's harvested a lot in his life from age six on. But uh, it was December of 2017, and little man gets his first black bear encounter, okay? And so the filming is not great because it's on my cell phone, and the cameras keep getting better. But I filmed a little bit of that bear, so let's watch this, and you'll see little Bobby's reaction beside of me. So there's the bear, about a 300, 350-pounder. Um, kind of hard to tell scale. But that bear's chowing down on my corn, which is totally legal in Florida, by the way, not in Tennessee. <laughs> it's a fantastic reaction. <laughs> what? You want to shoot him? What are you going to do? Well, there's no bear season. No, son, I'm not going to shoot. What, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And we tried to scare him away. He was not scared of us at all. I think we just looked like a lollipop up in the tree, a camouflage lollipop. Uh, what do you think I would have done, though, season, bear season or not, if that bear had come up and acted aggressive toward me or my son? What do you think? I'd have taken him out, I promise you. Even if it had to be with my bare hands, that bear was not going to hurt my boy. That bear was going to get it because, of course, we, uh, like animals, we are protective of our children. And, and yet, people often stop this to the physical. And we think, well, of course I'll protect my child physically. What about spiritually? Oh, that's when you shift. Ah, well, I don't want to push my kids. Push them where? Into hell? What do you mean push them? Well, they have to make up their own minds. Of that, you're correct. That's right. They will have to make up their own minds. But you see, I would say this. When they're under your roof and you have the, responsi the responsibility and privilege to live your faith before them and to pass your faith on to them, I want to come alongside of you. Our pastors, our school, all of us want to come alongside of you, but we can't take your place. They're going to be around you far more than us. And so Amram and Jochebed poured something into little Moses, even though he would end up going into the house of Pharaoh, they gave him enough faith to recognize it when he came of age, to understand it. Now, it took him all the way to 40 to have his first aha moment. So don't get impatient. It took him a long time. But by faith... We protect our children at all costs, and that's more than just their physical protection. Make sure they know of your faith. By faith, we choose eternal riches over temporal pleasures. I love this because it says in 24 to 26, when he came of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, and he let those passing pleasures of sin go by. In fact, he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than all the treasures in Egypt, and he looked forward to a greater reward. Now think about that for a minute. Moses protected a fellow Hebrew from an Egyptian taskmaster. He even killed him. See, sometimes there can be some really bad things in your life, and some of y'all think God can't use me you don't know what I've done. God uses a lot of people that have done some really wacky things. And God would still choose to use Moses because he stood up for a fellow Hebrew, even killing an Egyptian master who was beating him down in slavery. There is just cause. The Bible says, thou shalt not, see, we've mistranslated the Hebrew. Kill, no. Thou shalt not murder. Justified. 
There can be justified killing in the Bible, and God would use Moses even through this. Look how Stephen, the martyr, summarized the episode. Look at Acts 7. Uh, It said this, now when he was 40 years old, that's how old it took him to get it, it came into Moses' heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed. He struck down the Egyptian, for he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they didn't get it. It wasn't his time yet. How many more years would Moses wait until it was his time? Forty more. It's an incredible life. Forty, forty, forty. A lot of symbolism there, but listen to what MacArthur said. Moses suffered reproach for the sake of Christ in the sense that he identified with the Messiah's people in their suffering. Think about him as a prototype of Jesus. He left the glories of the palace. He left what his father, Pharaoh acted as though he was his father, he left all that they had to suffer reproach with his people, to lead them on a journey out of slavery into the promised land. Now, he could only get to the edge because he messed up. Joshua would take them over. But Jesus, who was the real thing, Moses is the prototype, Jesus is the real thing, left the glories and splendors of heaven. He came and he led his people out of slavery. But he didn't just take us to the edge, the river Jordan, the edge of the promised land. Jesus went through the waters of death, came out victoriously on the other side, parted the waters and said, now y'all come on through too. See, this is what Jesus does for us. All of the Bible works hand in glove beautifully together to point us to Christ. In fact, listen to what Thomas Leah said in a New Testament commentary. He said, Moses died many centuries before Christ came to earth. But all that Moses suffered was in the cause of God's plan of salvation for his people. In every page of Scripture, Jesus Christ is always close at hand. I love the way Philip Hacking put it. I gave him credit in your notes. He said this, all roads in the Bible lead to and from Calvary. Think about that. Even here in this text about Moses, it said he was looking forward to the Redeemer. He was looking forward to the one who would pay the ultimate price and give the ultimate reward. And do you realize that the possibility of reward is the most frequently mentioned motivation for enduring in the faith? Sometimes we think, well, you shouldn't do that for reward. Well, wait a minute. Even yesterday... We don't do that to be seen by men. I'll be honest with you. I could care less if a news crew ever shows up. It's fine if they do. It's fine if they want to highlight. I'd love to get the message out because I'd love to inspire other churches. I think that it's important to be a model. But at the same time, if nobody ever knows anything, I want to make sure that we do the right things now because one day I want to stand in front of God. And hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear, you were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I want to take any and all reward that God would give so that biblically I can one day lay those back at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, all that you have, I give back to you for your glory. I'm good with that. I want the reward. You know what? I'm very thankful for some smart kids. I'm very grateful for some kids that got some money to get some education. Because Lord knows their mom and I couldn't have paid for all of that without massive loan debt. And so I'm grateful that they worked hard and they got rewarded for that. And Moses is saying there is a greater reward than the temporal riches in Pharaoh's house. And it's a reward that goes beyond this world. He made his choice. You see, the worldly response would have been, would have pointed clearly in one direction. It would have said, go back and enjoy the life of luxury. But the eyes of faith saw that the Hebrew people were in bondage and that God had a greater plan for them. He had a greater purpose and he had a greater place. In fact, that's why in a couple of weeks we're going to have that pastoral Q&A. The holy land, the land of Israel, where it's now so war-torn, and so much blood has been spilled, God was promising that place way back here. There's a place and a people that God had set apart way back here. That's why it's not a political issue. It is a biblical issue, and Moses understood it and was willing to set aside all of that temporal pleasure for a greater reward. 
By faith, we protect our children at all costs. We choose eternal riches over temporal pleasure. By faith, we revere God more than fear others. Now, we're reading a book in our staff right now, and all staff for the church, about this very subject. The title is, When People Are Big and God is Small. And a lot of people live that way. I care more about what other people think than what God will think. Don't live your life that way. Man, live your life for an audience of one. Live your life to put a smile on the face of one. Now, you, you want to keep your wife happy too, guys. Okay, I just, just a little marital advice right there. But live your life in such a way. If you're living to please God, she will be happy and vice versa. By faith, we must revere God. So we see that Moses' parents revered God more than they feared Pharaoh in 23. We see in 27 that Moses forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, a reader of Hebrews, I'm, I'm sorry, a reader of Exodus would read that in most translations it says that fear drove Moses from Egypt to Midian. You say, Pastor, here's a contradiction in the Bible. Hebrews says that Moses didn't move in fear, and yet Exodus says that Moses was afraid of the king's anger. Well, there are a couple of possibilities in interpretation here. First, the writer of Hebrews may have emphasized that Moses' flight from Egypt was not only motivated by fear, although he did know that he could lose his head over what he had done by killing an Egyptian. But the author of Hebrews is saying Moses' flight was actually an act of faith. It was faith over fear that drove him. He knew that, he, that Pharaoh was powerful. I mean, remember, he did not want to go back at first. Even at the burning bush when he had his sandals off his feet because he was on holy ground, he made all manner of excuses in Exodus 3. Y'all remember that? He said all kinds of stuff about not wanting to go back. And yet, what we find when we look at that account, when I just skim back over that account, it's an amazing thing that even though he said, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do that, God said, I can fill that weakness. I can provide someone to help with that. I'll take care of that problem. And finally, Moses was like, okay, I guess I'll go back. And God would use him greatly. And so, you know, fear in the sense of, I know this guy can take my life, so I need to be wise here. That certainly was part of it. But Moses persevered because he saw the invisible. Don't miss that, guys. It is an incredible truth in verse 27. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. I got to tell you what a guy told me in line yesterday. He was the first, second guy in line. He had been there, I think he said 4 a.m., 4.30. He started lining up yesterday morning. Um, he asked me a question. He asked a lot of our volunteers. When Miss Cindy and I went by him, he said, Hey, Pastor, um, what's the only thing in heaven man made? That stumped me pretty good. I thought about it, and I tried to you know, process and give some really accurate pastoral answer. I couldn't come up with anything. And then this is what he said. The scars in the hands and feet of Jesus. That's a pretty good answer, y'all. I told him I would steal it. I liked it so good I nearly didn't give him credit, but I decided to go ahead and tell you. He told me the scars in the hands and feet of Jesus. And I want to ask you something today. Can you see the nail-scarred hands and feet by faith? See, Moses was looking ahead to one who would deliver him, just like all the Old Testament saints. That's why you cannot disconnect Old and New Testaments. But we are now looking back, and we are seeing Calvary, and we weren't there. Now, we have way, 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 way more information we have tons of data, tons of evidence, but we weren't physically there. We don't have any videos. There were no iPhones with fancy cameras or anything. But even if there were, even if there were, there would be plenty of people that would say, no, they photoshopped that. No, they made that part up. No, that's CGI. Don't think for one split second that if we had some kind of digital record that it would make a bunch of people believe. At some point, you've got to trust. At some point, you've got to say, you know what? Like Dr. Vance Havner said, he said this, Moses chose the imperishable, saw the invisible, 
and did the impossible. That's the kind of guy I want to be. Moses' faith enabled him to face Pharaoh, to trust God in dealing with the enemy. And the endurance was not natural for him. You could see it all over him. Kind of by nature, he was more hesitant and afraid, but God did something in him and through him, and he learned to obey regardless of circumstances and in spite of consequences. And that's what we have to do, folks. You know, I think about Holly. I didn't share this a lot in the first service, but with her being here now, not ashamed to tell you that she had a high school where a lot of the kids didn't necessarily love the Lord. And in the public school there, it was a good high school, a strong high school in our county, but many of the kids were antagonistic to Christian faith and even Christians. But she's got a way about her that's always been very dogmatic and very out front with her faith, and she just wouldn't back down. Even at times when it cost her, even a thing that she loved, playing volleyball, and her coach was insistent that if you're going to play for me, it's going to cost you Wednesday nights and some Sundays and all of that, and she had to make a choice. And she's always chosen faith. And it's been an incredible thing to watch. And all of our kids, you know, have been strong in their faith. And it's a beautiful thing. But that doesn't just happen. That has to be poured into them. And then they have to walk in it and grow in it. And we we would protect our children. We would choose eternal riches over the temporary pleasures. We would revere God more than fear others. But finally, I want you to see this, and I'll explain it more at the very end. By faith, we secure deliverance instead of facing death. Watch what happens. The last couple of verses, 28, 29. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Y'all remember that story? I'll go over it quickly. They were delivered. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as dry land, whereas the Egyptians trying to do so were drowned. They even escaped death at the edge of the Red Sea right there. Now think about this. Let's look at Exodus 12 together for a minute. Y'all remember this? God said, I'm going to pass through the land of Egypt at night, strike the firstborn in the land of Egypt, man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I'll execute judgment. I am the Lord. Y'all remember that, right? It's called the Passover. He said, if I'm going to pass over you, if I'm not going to take the life of your firstborn, that's the tenth of the ten plagues of Egypt that God was using to deliver the, the Hebrew slaves. He said, look, this blood of the lamb will be a sign for you on the houses. When I see the blood, I'll pass over. I'm not looking in to say, are you worthy? Are you good enough? I see the blood, I pass over. And you're going to keep this as a memorial. Keep it as a feast. Keep it as an everlasting ordinance. What was Jesus Christ doing the last night he lived on earth? This. The Passover, which he fulfilled to be what we now call the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper. Communion, Eucharist, it has a lot of names, but you know what it is. And the reality is this, by faith, Moses told these folks. He had never seen anything like this. There's nothing like this in all of recorded human history. But God said, I'm going to kill the firstborn of man and beast. You must act now. Shed the blood of this animal. Personally apply it over each house. And where I see the blood Death moves over. It passes that place. You see, they secure deliverance instead of facing death. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, don't forget this, people. Don't forget. In fact, think about this. Look at Exodus 14 with me. I'm going to go quickly. Thank you guys up there in the booth. I know this is always a little bit of a challenge. But when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and the Egyptians marched after them, and they were very afraid. The children of Israel cried out. You know what they cried? Moses, what is wrong with you, man? Couldn't you have buried us back in Egypt? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Do y'all know how many times that phrase is repeated in the Exodus story? If I was Moses, I'd be like, I'm going to just let God zap y'all. I can't take no more of this. But he was so patient and so kind to this whiny bunch of people. And we're talking about a lot of people, y'all. Up to two million scholars tell us a lot of people are whining against their leader. And so they're scared, they're scared, they're scared. Look at verse 13. Look at 13. Now Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Y'all put your water wings on and we're going to blow up some floaties and we're going to paddle across the Red Sea. Hello? Grab your spears. Grab your pitchforks. We're going to fight the battle. Is that what Moses said? 
What did he command the people? Do not be afraid. Do what? It's on the screen. Can y'all read English or what? We work on this stuff ahead of time. What did Moses tell them? Stand still. Stand still. Some of y'all acting like Barney Fife up in here. You got to figure it out and fix it. Stand still. Trust that God will fight your battles. Some of y'all are trying to fight battles you cannot win. You must trust in the one who is so much greater. Stand still. Do not be afraid. You will see these Egyptians no more. The Lord will fight for you. Hold your peace. Was it their faith that got them through the Red Sea on dry ground? Mm -mm. It was Moses' faith. The leader's faith got them through. We don't see how in the world that we can win. Let's get back to Egypt as quick as we can. We've made a grave error. But Moses had faith in the word of God and the power of God. And these first century Christians who were reading Hebrews 2,000 years ago were encouraged because the Roman Empire was coming after them. There was powerful hostility against the new Christians who came from Judaism to Christianity. There were obstacles in front of them as great or greater than the Red Sea. And the writer of Hebrews said, won't you stand still. Don't go backwards. Why would you go back? Trust that God will fight your battles. You say, but you don't know how bad it is. Nero just lit Aunt Betty on fire. She's burning in his garden. It's a horrible thing. And no matter how bad it gets, the Bible says, stand still. Be still and know that he is God. That message is not just true for first century Christians. That is true for 21st century Christians. And you say, Pastor Bobby, I don't understand this. Why would you tell us all of this, man? We live in America. Our government would never do such to us. We would never be mandated to do things we don't want to do. We would never be forced. Surely they would never attack our faith. This is the land of the free and the home of the brave. It is the home of the brave, but it is less and less the land of the free. And the reality is this. If we're not very careful as a people of God to understand what has happened, we will not be prepared for what could happen. And we better be very, very sure that we are trusting God over government We are trusting the Lord over the elected. We are trusting in the empire of God Almighty and not the empire from Washington, D.C. I'm here to tell you all right now. Our friends in other places are facing real persecution right now. And the very fact that we can still gather freely should be something we never stop to praise God over. And if God can raise the dead and God can save millions through the sea, he can surely enable and empower you to face and conquer life's great struggles because the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament, is the God of 2023, and he'll be the God of 24. And whatever you face this year and whatever you face next year and whatever you face today, God can walk all over your storm. So trust him and stand still and see the Lord work in your life. everything in this life we need to be guided and guarded and enabled and empowered by faith and when we live by faith we see God do the impossible by faith we protect our children at all costs we choose eternal riches over temporal pleasures we revere God more than fear others and we secure deliverance instead of facing death I'm gonna come back to that in just a second but I want you to look at this face one more time check this little dude out Do you not think I would have done anything to protect that kid? Do you not think that I would have clobbered that bear? Well, we had weapons. I would have just pulled the trigger. But do you not think I would do anything 
That was December the 20th, 2017. December the 21st, 2014, almost exactly three years earlier, there's another picture of my son. It's one of my favorite pictures we've ever taken. And it's because his mom had poured into him, the people at church had poured into him, his Sunday school teachers, other kids that knew Jesus had poured into him, and his dad got the privilege of pouring into him. And in that Christmas season of 2014, our son came to us, and he started asking questions, and he started exhibiting a desire to have faith. And not for one split second did I say, oh no, that's a different matter. That's for later. You and God can work that out. You know what I did? I guided him. I guarded him. I helped him to understand the truth. I protected his heart. And as a result, he said yes to Jesus. And that's when I got to take him into the baptistry and celebrate on the outside what a few days earlier Jesus had done on the inside. Why would you separate those two things? As a parent, you have the greatest privilege in the world of pouring your faith out and into your children. You say, but, okay, I get that, I get that. I get that the faith of his parents led to his faith and so on and so forth, but you said by faith we secure deliverance instead of facing death. What do you mean? I mean, no army's chasing after me. We don't have black bears coming to maul me. I don't have anything to worry about. I don't even believe cocaine bear was real. I hope not. I have plenty of time. I have plenty of time. But that's where you're wrong. That's where you're wrong. Because every single one of us will go to the edge of that river called death one day. The thing is, you don't know how many more steps you've got until you get there. And I say something I like to say at least once or a couple of times every year. If you are only born once today, you will die twice. If you are born twice, you will only die once. And what does that mean? All of us have been born once. You wouldn't be here. You couldn't be listening to me. You couldn't be tuning in without being born through your mama's womb. But if you're only born once, the Bible says you will die two times. You will die a physical death that separates the body and the soul, or the body and the spirit, if you will, separates the immaterial you from the material you, and you will die a second death. According to the book of Revelation, you will forever be separated from God because when you come to the river of death, you will not be allowed to enter the promised land. You will be cast away from the Lord into a horrific place called hell. It's described as a lake of fire. It is described as a place of torment. It is described as a place where you don't party with other people and hang out. You are separated, isolated, tortured, and tormented forever. And you say, that's horrible. You shouldn't talk about that. That scares people. Man, and eternity without Jesus is terrifying. I love you enough to tell you the truth today. You say, well, I don't care. I don't believe in hell. <laughs> you don't have to believe in it for it to be real, Bubba. There can be a lot of things out there you don't believe in that are real. Your belief doesn't make it so. The reality is God has said it is so, and it's a place of horror created for the devil and all of his cohorts, but people that do not accept Christ will find themselves there. And yet, Jesus came to give you passage safely across that river into the promised land known as heaven. And if you were born twice, I was born October 7th, 75. I was born again March 30th of 85. And so in my second birth, I secured my entrance because of what Jesus had done for me, not what I could do for myself. And if you're born twice, you only die once. If I'm not raptured before then, I come to that river, I'm not worried at all. Jesus parts the water and gives me safe passage. I get to enter his promised land because of what he did, born once die twice, born twice, die once. You see, you can be delivered even from death. As the worship band comes up, this is the first day of the week for this great holiday we call Thanksgiving. Let me tell you one of the reasons I like doing an event at Thanksgiving even more than Christmas. I feel like in our current culture, Thanksgiving is lost. I don't know if any of the rest of you feel that way. I feel like we zoom out of the summer. 
I feel like we head quickly toward fall and Halloween. Ugh, an atrocious holiday in my opinion. Shouldn't be a holiday. But I think we have moved quickly to that. And then from Halloween, we scoot straight to what? Fat guy, red suit. I mean, immediately, we go right to Christmas, right? And we've missed the beauty of this week and this time to demonstrate our gratitude. And so what I would like to do today is very, very simple as we close out this second service. Will you express your appreciation to the Lord? If you're a fellow Christian, will you express your appreciation for him giving you eternal and abundant life? You say, well, how can I know that I know that I know that I have it? Well, take God at his word. Walk with him today by faith. And will you express appreciation for what he's done in these last few days? I think it's so tempting for us to look ahead, look ahead, look look at what we've got next. And we were talking yesterday about next year. We were talking about making it better and this and that and the other. And I think that's fine, but we've got to slow down. And say, God, thank you for what you've done. In three days in the ministry of grace, we've seen all of these dozens of people saying yes to Christ. Maybe more than we even know of. 28 of them already following through in believer's baptism. Set on the road to discipleship. Now we have the privilege to walk with them. Somebody needs to slow down enough. And I think maybe even to come here to this altar and praise God and say, thank you Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for allowing me to see my church family work together to accomplish something bigger than any one of us could have done. Thank you, God, for all of this. Now, we could pay. We could pay. We could take the money and send it out to some company and let somebody else do it. But there's such value in the work. I hope that you will join me in expressing gratitude today as we continue to walk by faith. Stand with me this morning, church. If you need to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior today and nail this down, if you know that you're only born once, it is time to be born again. Come and see a pastor or counselor. If you know that you've been born twice and you have nothing to fear in death, it's merely the turning of a page, come and express appreciation. Thank God if you were a part of feeding the 5,000, I don't even know how you could just stay still. You ought to be expressing appreciation for God. You ought to be thanking God for what he did. There's so much to be thankful for. We screamed and we hooped and we hollered and we got all excited about a guy with a funny shaped ball that ran 75 yards yesterday. And like I said in the front end of the service, a couple hours later, it didn't matter. Jack squat. But when You run with Jesus. When you walk by faith, some of you just need to stand still and know that he is God. Whether you're running, walking, or just standing still, if you're doing it with Jesus, it will last for eternity. We should thank God for that today. When I open this altar, those of you that are willing and led, let's express our appreciation this Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.